Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast is scheduled for one fall. It is once again going to have a 60-minute time limit. I am Sean, and you may as well call me Han, because I am solo once again this week. Not for any, uh, not at the fault, I should say, of anybody. Uh, I've been being murdered by my allergies, and Rob is getting his life together. Not metaphorically, just literally. He's recently moved. So, uh, I'm here. I'm just wanting to get back into it. I left off talking about the greatness of NXT at WrestleMania week. So, frankly, just because I want to continue to talk about NXT and actually talk about AEW, uh, who just had blood and guts this past week, I realized that the OCD in me will not let me do that without talking mania and kind of talking about the fallout since then to the best of my ability. Now, those of you who listened to the last episode may have noticed some odd pairings, odd odd statements, and a, a little bit of random cuts. Well, turns out uh, drinking and podcasting is not the best idea. And yet, here I am once again in the middle of the night with a drink in my hand wanting to talk about wrestling. And that's exactly what I'm going to do after uh, one brief, um, what is it? It's not a rebuttal, just an edit. I'll, I'll just call it an edit. Uh, apparently on the last episode, I, uh, I made a statement about Kushida and the Cruiserweight Championship, and which has been fantastic since, uh, since I made the statement, by the way. But at the time, I talked about um, one Umberto Ramos challenging for the belt, the beloved artist from Marvel who's done such works as Spider-Man and Strange Academy, who, for the record, would probably make, probably make weight. Um, when I meant to say Umberto Carrillo, obviously now Carrillo is kind of in a completely separate storyline, which I'm going to get into in a minute. But in the meantime, uh, let's just dive right in. I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to apologize ahead of time if I have to take any breaks to take a sip of beverage, kind of get my wits about me. I will do my best to not fuck up, uh, as, as badly as I possibly can once again, doing this solo. So what do you say? Let's ring the bell. And let's do it. So first off, we're going to start off, I mean, I'm going to talk really fast here, so I also want to apologize for just talking really fast. Night one, uh, with the rain delay, it was a brilliant rain delay, it it kind of like really gave the feel and gave just a whole new element to everything, and you really didn't know what was going to happen, which is a rare occurrence. They had to stall basically for 40 minutes after everybody came out on stage as like a thank you to the fans, which was great and super cool. But then, you know, stalling for 40 minutes, let's cut to random uh, random promo packages from everybody where everybody actually got to basically be, them be their best selves, which is kind of what I loved about it. Every wrestler had to come up, they had to speak their mind, they didn't have any time to really think about anything. They just had to speak their piece and get it done. And honestly, they all did a really good job. Uh, really great promos, really great just adrenaline. You could really feel the fact that the, the wrestlers were just as happy to, that the crowd was back as the crowd was itself. So really cool to see. Uh, I really dug it. Unfortunately, it led to more hilarious meme-worthy moments where you've got uh, Samoa Joe in the poncho with Michael Cole at ringside, both upset. Like, legit, the entire first match of the night, the, the announcers couldn't even sit behind the table because they needed to make sure it was it was dry enough. Um but yeah, I mean, uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the Black uh, Black Thursday developments later. But yeah, I mean, just that moment alone, though, was was a great real real start to WrestleMania after after the year we've all had um, to come back immediately to, to have that start was just 
it was kind of the icing on the cake, which is great. Uh, and it was followed up, though. I got to admit, like, first match of the night was Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship. I was surprised that Bobby won and won so decidedly. Uh, it was a great match, great back and forth, little bit of shenanigans from MVP, and then... Like, the Hurt Lock was in, and, like, I would have, I if Rob was on this phone right now, I would have bet a gentleman's dollar that he would have, that Drew McIntyre would have broken out of the Hurt Lock at least once. And it didn't happen. So, I mean, kudos, man. A great, great move. I, I, look, since then, we'll, I'll, I'll get into that in the second half of this episode, but since then, it's kind of been some, some just pure nonsense. But uh, if I'm being perfectly honest, that night, and... And at Mania in general, the watching it live, it was it was a dope move, and I was really excited to see where it was going to go. Um, really happy to see Bobby retain in, a, in something that really looked like Drew was going to be taking it the entire way. Moving on, I mean, we're gonna, I'm gonna hit this one real quick. Just Natalia and Tamina win the tag team turmoil match. I think, uh, I think it was Young John actually who was on with me who had said uh, originally that this really seemed like a good opportunity for them to bestow the tag team champions tag team championship upon two second generation women who have have had been in the business forever and really haven't had like at least recently any kind of like remote single success and suddenly after that win I I agreed with him wholeheartedly like I agreed with him at the time but this kind of made it that moment I'm like you know what yeah this would be a moment but then you had the only thing that kind of questionable and, and it showed in night two then was Natalia tagging out so that Tamina could take that splash off the top rope because even Tamina seemed confused. So it really seemed like Natty was just doing a favor and just letting Tamina take that big moment, which was awesome to see. And because, I mean, look, lover or hater, Natty is a, is a, as a person, is incredible. She is a she is a very sweet person, and it shows. I mean, between the, the crap that she puts up with on the reality shows, and what uh, you know what just happened in the ring right there. I mean, she tagged out so Tamina could have that moment. She changed the finish on the fly. I'm sure nobody gave her shit for it. So it was just it was really cool to see. And you know, congrats to them. Uh, they then went on to night two, which we'll get into in a minute, because then we followed up with what I thought was going to be the match of the night, and uh, it is a. If, I don't even know. It, I think it's tied for a second at this point, and I'll get into that in a second. But Cesaro, Seth Rollins, my man, the Swissman, did his thing. It was brilliant. He, I mean, the two of them put on a hell of a match from top to bottom. The the strength that Cesaro showed, the athleticism. Rollins doing the corkscrew frog splash. I want that in his repertoire. I know he's not going to do it on a regular basis, but I want to see it on a regular basis like yes Cesaro and the UFO and the swing I get it man that's a lot and that's tough to do and that's and that's asking a lot and you're gonna get dizzy and it just doesn't seem as special but look that corkscrew frog splash or splash for whatever reason like it looked incredible yet seems so simple like for all the guys that do all the flips like Ricochet is doing a 630 splash he's rotating so many times and and like no one's ever tried to just rotate sideways or corkscrew just like that and it was so simple yet so dope like i i seth you're not listening but when you do or if you do or if i just if i just shout it into the sky and someone answers from on high seth i want that in your repertoire like let's let's see that again because it was dope um 
I'm just, so yeah, Cesaro picks up the win. Again, great win, great moment for the Swissman. Getting that first ever solo victory at WrestleMania, that real wrestle, that first WrestleMania moment. And I'm going to say first WrestleMania moment because, one, him winning the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal during the pre-show, I'm not going to count. And two, he's going to have more to come, I swear. Like, I understand he's he's at the, you know, he's older by comparison to a lot of the guys on the roster, but he's he's hitting his prime right now and even without if he's finally getting over without fans just imagine once the fans actually get back in there and the swiss section can really show why they love those swissmen uh jumping right next uh jumping into the next one i should say aj styles and amos almost 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 i you look at this point flip a coin, like actually roll like a fucking D6 from Dungeons and Dragons and pick the uh, pronunciation of that man's name. Regardless, they won the tag team championships. Pretty expected fashion. Uh, AJ gets attacked by the New Day for the most part of the match. Uh, Amos, Amos makes the tag. He comes in, dominates. One, two, three, Bob's your uncle. And we're moving on. Uh, Braun and Shane, same thing. I mean, it was, it was, it was good. Like, it wasn't great. But it was good, and it basically it told the story that you were always expecting to see. It was Braun taking the victory over Shane with the power slam? Um, yeah, I mean, great, good stuff. Not not fantastic, but uh, you know, it told the story, and that's really at the end of the day what you're looking to see. And they, you know, as ridiculous as the story was getting there, it was very similar to the. Honestly, if I'm being if I'm being perfectly honest, it's another spot. I, I know I talked about this previously on the show about, like, why Shane is popping in on these things, and this year kind of drilled at home, because this is kind of the same storyline he did with The Miz uh, last year, if you recall. Like, la- uh, I'm sorry, not last year, two years ago, if you recall. You know, he they, they became friends, and then they suddenly were enemies, and he's, you know, Shane spent X amount of time just making fun of The Miz, making fun of his family. Like, Shane went into that match as the heel, too. And Miz goes in as the face, they do a Falls Count Anywhere match, they have the brilliant... Uh, suplex in the production area spot and you know okay cool like dope and but Shane ends up taking a odd victory there which but it made sense again for the story so here we are fast forward two years Shane's calling Braun stupid there's the weird like slight Nickelodeon slime pops up in buckets under the ring like why the hell like look I I've argued time and time again why things are under the ring like bottles of Gatorade or a ladder or extra chairs but buckets of slime yeah I got nothing man they I mean that's literally just for that spot and it was a terrible spot but it was a spot that happened and I mean it led us to where we got in that storyline again Braun beat Shane somewhat decided fashion it's just you can't claim for how many times Braun can beat up two full-grown professional wrestlers in a singles match or in a single match and then he's got problems beating the 50 year old son of the boss it's just at some point the believability the the kayfabe whatever you want to call it it's just it's starting to it's starting to break this isn't Shane O'Mac when he was taking the suplex he was taking uh belly-to-belly suplexes through panes of glass or dropping off of you know dropping off of the Tron I mean he did Hell in a Cell a couple years back against Undertaker but like that was a very padded spot uh which you know obviously didn't happen in this match but just it it just it's it's a tough sell it's a tough sell um now what wasn't a tough sell, and I've got to be honest, 
did not see this coming, did not expect this, and I'm going to give props in this match to multiple people. Um, I'm talking about Bad Bunny and Damian Priest against Miz and Morrison. I was not looking forward to this match on paper because I just, I was concerned. Like, Bad Bunny has had those couple spots. He's done the top rope spot. You know, he's done all this other, he's, he's, he's done all those quote-unquote celebrity spots that you just expect now when you see a celebrity coming in. They jump off the top rope. They get caught by like six guys, whatever the case may be. I need to apologize to Bad Bunny because you know, he's not going to hear this, but I just, it needs to be said. Bad Bunny, I'm sorry because you gave a level of respect and appreciation, I think is the best word for it, appreciation for the industry that I've really only seen with one other celebrity in, in the last, I mean, as far back as I can really remember, but one other celebrity who actually gave it his all, and that just being Stephen Amell. In the two matches that he, that I got to see him in, one being tag teaming with Stardust, I believe, at SummerSlam, or no, facing Stardust, I, I'm sorry, facing Stardust at SummerSlam, aka Cody Rhodes, and then the other being in the tag match versus the Young Bucks? Again, it's late, I've been drinking. Uh, but regardless, those two matches that Stephen Amell was a part of alone, like, he he played all the parts just as well. He sold, he put his body on the line, he he carried a large portion of that match, and and now, I mean, obviously now it worked out for him, because he's on a he's going to be on a show devoted to the wrestling industry called Heels on Stars. Uh, but Bad Bunny, I, look, I, I got to admit, like I said, I didn't see him, when he started the match, I was like, okay, this is, this is interesting, and like, he had a legit couple minutes with the Miz there, and they had a they had an honest to goodness wrestling match, and it was great. Like even when the hot tag was made, it didn't seem like it was going to be the hot tag, and then that was going to be the end of the match. And it turns out that it wasn't. I mean, Bad Bunny hit a couple more spots, but I think not enough credit has been given to John Morrison when it's all said and done. And I'm going to say this because the two big spots of that match. When, when you really look back at it, where everyone was like, wow, Bad Bunny's really doing this. Like, the, the, the nerds like me, who watch and see and, and love the actual acting that goes into uh, professional wrestling at times. Bad Bunny did a lot of great sells. If he got hit in the head, he was holding his head. If he got hit in the ribs, he was, he was bothered by it for a little while. When his leg was getting worked on, he put on a little bit of a limp. Like, mwah, chef's kiss. But the two spots that had the world talking where, I don't know if you want to call it a suplex, falcon arrow, whatever, the suplex falcon, the, the tandem suplex falcon arrow, where Damian Priest lifted up Miz, Bad Bunny lifted up Morrison, and they both hit that, and then obviously, like, beyond a shadow of a doubt, the Canadian Destroyer on the outside. Now, you know, in interviews and stuff, Damian Priest is trying to say, oh yeah, I just taught him that the day before, and he hit it. He basically didn't have to hit shit. He had to kind of roll over John Morrison and tuck his chin, and John Morrison took care of the rest on both of those. He made Bad Bunny look just that. Bad. He looked like a badass motherfucker when he was when he was in that ring. And all the all the props to Miz and Morrison for selling that and and getting that across because I, I think that's probably gonna become gonna end up being the most underrated performance of WrestleMania at all times is Miz and Morrison because you don't look at it like that for the most part. Like, most people don't look at it like that, and I do look at it like that. So, frankly, Miz and Morrison had the top two. Like, I've got 
two two performances this weekend. Uh, well, three, and I'm because I'm tying Cesaro and Seth Rollins with this match, Bad Bunny and Damian Priest, because my number one performance and match of the weekend. And yes, I know I'm only on night one, but I'm already talking about it. Bianca Belair, Sasha Banks, SmackDown Women's Championship. Perfect main event, perfect finish. Really had that WrestleMania feel, that WrestleMania moment that's kind of been missing. It was just a strong, smart way to finish night one. And I just, I loved it. I thought it was a fantastic match. Bianca was just incredible, like legit picking Sasha up, carrying her up the steps, tossing her in the ring. The hair whip spot, my God. Like, I, I, I've had people ask me, oh, is that real? Like, and, and even my wife asked me, and I'm like, oh, uh, yeah. And then I go online and find a screen grab of, of Sasha with a gash in her, her ribs from the way that hair just came back and ripped her. My goodness. That was absolutely brutal. I mean, but then there's the 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 spots that you just love. So you know, you know, she's obviously been working at this. You get the spot where her dad almost flips over the guardrail and gets gronked by security. Um, they had a lot of after match footage with Montez. I was more upset that I never actually got to see like Montez like rushing the ring because I thought that would have been dope. Um, and then like Sasha in the corner kind of tucked away like obviously not on camera or anything like that but one camera happens to be catching her and she's just she's got the biggest smile because she knows that she just took part in history and even if she wasn't the winner of the match she was still a winner at the end of the night because that match again top to bottom 15 minutes a brilliant match a great finish and all in all a perfect way to end night one of wrestlemania now i'm gonna say that because if i had a balloon I would just let it go so you could hear the of the deflation that we then got with night two. Not that night two was like all around terrible. It just it it was just an odd. It was just an odd night as a whole. So let let's just I mean let's just start from the beginning. Randy Orton versus the Fiend. So the Fiend now for those of you who who don't who don't know. Uh, Super Bowl, I don't know, whatever the last Super Bowl was that just happened where that piece of crap Tom Brady won again, uh, happened in Tampa Bay at, at Raymond James Stadium, as did WrestleMania. So my theory is that The Fiend walked into the same mirror tunnel as The Weeknd did during his halftime performance, and that's what resurrected him. The Weeknd sacrificed himself so The Fiend could be resurrected. I'm standing by that. You're not going to be able to argue me any different. Uh, but The Fiend was resurrected. It looked dope. They did this cool like little jack-in-the-box spot down at ringside. And then we got we got The Fiend versus Randy Orton uh, with Alexa at ringside in this giant box. And it was what it was. Um, it was... The first problem that I had, they did the red, the, the red hue. And I hate... I've never liked the red hue. I've never liked the fact that, like, oh, the Fiend's wrestling. Like, the ring needs to be colored red. They tried the same thing with Sin Cara, and it just never translated. It always looks terrible. Nobody, like, you can barely see what's happening in the crowd, on TV. I know, I know that in the crowd you're having the same problem. So it's just like, well, why are we doing this? Like, we don't, we don't have to. The Fiend is his own entity. The Fiend is his own, like, can of worms. Like, just let the Fiend, let him, let him be in his full glory, man. Um... Now, originally, like a lot of us, uh, Neil and and Young John and I, we all thought this could be a really cool spot. 
where you get uh, Bo Dallas popping up. Obviously, that didn't happen. Instead, we get this weird, like, I don't know, like, dark, not not even dark Alexa, not even... Not even fiend, fiendified Alexa. Like you know, we get this. We get this weird, like the thing, or um, yeah, I don't even know. I mean, she's dressed in all black. She's got black goo flying, like dr- drowning out of her eyes and her mouth, and it distracts the fiend to where he gets an RKO and pin one, two, three, and that's that's the end of it. And then again, which I'll get into in a couple of minutes here. Like since then, he's hasn't been seen it's been nothing and you've got alexa still carrying on the gimmick and it's just like what the what the hell is happening with this gimmick i i just don't know like it's just been so it's had the potential to be this epic yarn in this epic saga and every time like it feels like they're finally getting it on the right path like just something dumb happens like I just, uh, if it's getting thrown in a swamp, or Goldberg, you know, suddenly he's got a fight in Saudi Arabia against Goldberg, or now whatever's happening, like okay, well they just, they just like what Alexa's doing with the character more than Bray. Like I just, I don't know, I don't get it. Clearly, I don't like it, but here I am. I mean, I'm still, I'm still buying in. I'm still gonna give it a chance. And I'm still just going to see what happens. I I just, I, I don't know. Like, I'll get into how Alexa's been doing, because she's basically been the second most entertaining, entertaining thing on Raw the last couple weeks. But, I mean, uh, let me save that for the next couple minutes. Let me just finish off uh, night, night two here, so we can get past WrestleMania, which I think a lot of us just wanted to, and we can move on to what's been happening lately. Um... So then we go to Nia Jax and Shayna. They retain the women's the women's tag titles against Tamina and Natalya. Uh, kind of surprising. Like I just I still want I just want these belts taken off of them, and I just want the belts taken off because I want Shayna to be able to to just establish dominance again as a singles competitor. Because I think now is the perfect time to do so. I don't know against two. Frankly, I don't care against two, but she could really just bounce back in. Start establishing dominance, cure food coaching everybody and their mother, and just be the queen of spades again. I don't like the pairing. Now you've got Reginald involved, and and frankly, I mean, we're seeing the same shtick every week. And again, I'm, I'm going to get into that in a minute, but since this match, it's been the same bullshit every week. Uh, and also, again, really good time for Natalia and Tamina to really take something, have a moment, and, and it just nothing so but i'm gonna digress for a second i'm gonna get back to all that when the time comes uh kevin and sammy then had a phenomenal match completely ruined by the fact that logan paul existed at ringside he just look i think he's a trash human I, i don't like either of them i mean that's just my personal opinion it's it's just formed based on what i've seen never actually met them in person actually i technically did meet him in person that's a long story for another day um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't like the, the ilk of the guy. Maybe if we sat down and had a drink, I'd think better if we had some kind of conversation, but frankly, 90% of what I've seen, I don't like, and I didn't like this. The only thing I actually liked when it was all said and done was the fact that he might've taken something right in the eye when KO stunned the shit out of him at the end of that match. Uh, I mean, KO and Sammy did what KO and Sammy do. You put the two of them in the ring. I don't care if one's wearing a mask. I don't care if both were wearing a mask. I don't care if they're both blindfolded. They know how to work. They know how to work against each other. 
and the best friends make the best enemies because that match was fantastic. And frankly, it was probably my the best match of the night. And and I mean I I guess probably my favorite. I'm I'm look I mean I'm looking back at the card right now. I yeah I I don't know. Like it was it was a fantastic match. Just it was completely nullified by the fact that not nullified, but seemed completely useless I'll say of the fact that Logan Paul you know had to be hanging out at ringside and and doing all that bullshit he didn't need to be involved in this at all they wanted to bring in some clout because his brother did his thing and you know what whatever happens there happens I just hope it ends up with the Paul being unconscious again like we had at the end of this match um I'm just gonna I'm just gonna roll right through uh to Sheamus and Riddle so, uh, again, a little bit of a surprise. Like, r- they had a really good hard-fought match, but for Riddle to drop the title so quickly, and it really showed that, like, frankly, the only reason Riddle had the championship was because they needed to get it off of uh, Bobby Lashley before he had his championship run. And Keith Lee ended up with COVID, and I'm officially going to say question mark, because he's just been gone. And I don't know what's really going on there. It clearly seems like some kind of underlying medical condition. Uh, I mean, only time will tell. Keith Lee has said that his his time will come. God forbid. I really hope it doesn't end up being like way down the line on a dark side of the ring. I'd rather it be like a, another WWE chronicle here in the next like six months. But you know what? Here's what we're, I mean. We're gonna sit here and, and we're gonna sit here and we're gonna wait. Um, both of them though, after this match, I mean, are coming off and doing some great things, and I'm gonna get into that in a minute. Uh, because I need to move on to something that I think, um, frankly, I think Rob and I had a better idea for, and I forget what, uh, honestly, top of my head, I forget what Young John and Neil both thought this match could be, but I, I, wow, um, Apollo Crews and Big He in the Nigerian drum match, and I'm, I'm using the biggest sarcasm and air quotes that I really can, because by Nigerian drums... Uh, this was basically the same match that Elias and Jeff Hardy put on weeks prior called the Symphony of Destruction, where you just had a bunch of random weapons outside. Like, it. When you put a f- fancy ass title on a no DQ match for the sake of putting a fancy ass title on it, like, I feel like you just need to. I don't know. The Punjabi prison at least was some kind of ridiculous structure and it was, you know, two cells and, and just big. When you were going to be, when you knew you were going to be stupid, you went big. And I appreciated that. This was too small. A couple bongo drums, a gong. Like, it just, even, even the stuff that was out there, there was like four things that actually matched the symbolism or the you know the, the the feel of Africa or like Nigeria in my opinion I'm not from those obviously I'm not from that from those areas I, I never traveled to but I'm just saying as an as an outsider what I'm looking at did not have any kind of flair I mean it, even the gong was on like a regular it wasn't even on some kind of like ornate stand it was on a, a regular gong stand and it was just a regular gong. It didn't even have like any kind of tribal pattern on it or anything like that. I mean, the match itself was good. It was a really good hard-fought match between Apollo and Biggie, which we've we've known that they can put on, and it was really nice to see. And then a little surprising that E drops the belt, but not surprising when you realize that it's because they're really happy with Apollo's Nigerian character, so they want to build his 
brand, build his 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 image by giving him uh, Dabatunde, who you'll remember from Raw Underground, and now oh god, what's it like? Commander Aziz or something like that. I don't know. They gave him some ridiculous name, but basically it's the same dude who Shane McMahon was trying to sell um, <laughs> during Raw Underground. They had two big guys in that. One was Amos being the doorman, and the other guy was Baba Tunde, actually wrestling in the in the quote unquote underground. And um, you know, one stayed on Raw, one got moved to SmackDown. So I mean, it makes sense. They love those big guys, and you know, it's it's a good fit. I do like it. I mean, they've they've done some great stuff after, and again, I keep talking about after, but I need to just take a beat to finish off these last two matches, and then we can I can spend the rest of my time talking about the aftermath of uh, WrestleMania. So next up, again, a really good match, but a really expected finish. Rhea Ripley versus Asuka for the Raw Women's Championship. Rhea Ripley takes the win, uh, not as, like, decidedly. I mean, it was a it was a good back and forth, but even her, even her victory was a little... It just didn't have the same pop as Bianca. Like, that Bianca Belair and Sasha match was very clear, heel face dynamic which this match really didn't show because obviously Asuka like hasn't been pushed as a heel in a long time and Rhea making her debut also didn't really like push the heel limits it was a very gray area um with the match but it was still a good match it was a good match when it was all said and done um and you know like I said Rhea takes the win obviously leads to a lot of opportunities Charlotte not being available for Wrestlemania Really, I I don't know if that threw a wrench into things or not. I mean, we're we're slowly finding out, and I mean, uh, I am currently recording this with uh, like nine days until WrestleMania backlash. Yes, not just backlash, WrestleMania backlash. Just in case you didn't really realize what was happening there when they called it backlash. Um, so I I mean, I guess we'll see, and I'll get into that here in a minute. Uh, let's finish it off though with the final match, the headliner, which made the most sense, but honestly, I'm not going to lie. Very surprising finish for me. Roman Reigns beats Edge and Daniel Bryan in, again, like decided fashion. It's not like one person took a pinfall and like, no, it was, it was Roman crushing the both of them, concertos all around. And he drags the two of them into the middle of the ring and pins them both simultaneously. One, two, three. And I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to figure out. I'm, I think, like it, it was the right move. Like, I don't disagree with the move to have him win. But to have it close mania after a two night event, like again, on paper, Roman Reigns, with the way he's built himself and the way everything has to go, yes, he is the top of the card. No matter what that card is, he is the top of it. Like in in recent years, they've kind of messed around. Like Brock, when he, I think the reason they got away with Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre starting the night off was going back to MetLife when they got Brock out there right away to have that match with Seth Rollins, and we had that big match right away for the Universal Championship. So I, I think that's kind of where they went with that. But clearly they couldn't do that twice. And clearly, again, with the character that Roman has developed alongside Paul Heyman and Jay, that had to end the night. But then why? 
Like, why did you have to add Daniel Bryan? Which is the thing I keep coming back to. Were you that concerned that, like, Edge couldn't carry a match on his own? Because I don't think anybody was arguing that. I don't think a single person who's been a fan of wrestling and been watching wrestling is going to argue that Edge couldn't put on a compelling match with Roman one-on-one. Especially, like, in a face-versus-heel dynamic, which I think, like... I, I, I mean, I think that's what it comes down to for me. Like, if this match would have ended with Roman winning, just beating Edge... And Edge was just pure good guy, pure hero coming into this, and he still lost, and he hasn't been seen since. I think that would have resonated a little bit more. Because now, you've had Roman take that solid victory, Edge has kind of disappeared, and he's he left in a gray area to begin with, and then Daniel Bryan had the current run that he had with Roman, which was has been fantastic, and a really great finish, and... Again, I'm going to get into that in a, in a minute here, but 30 minutes elapsed. Really, it opens a lot of doors and there's a lot of question marks, but the the fact that again, the fact that Roman's going to take this win, that's great. And and again, like it's logical. It makes sense on paper. Like Roman, even if he did lose the belt, I don't see him having it lost for long. They need to he's going to he's going to hold this damn thing. For over a year, I'm gonna pu- I'm gonna put that on the record right now, and whoever whoever's listening or whoever wants to throw a dollar a dollar bet on it, hit us up in the comments on Facebook. Put a dollar gif in there. I just did that with Rob the other day about something else. Uh, I think he was saying about Amos being on the uh, uh, um, pl- and still employed at the end of the year. So just for those keeping score at home, Rob's play Rob's played a bet. About Amos being uh, still on the roster at year's end, and I'm I'm giving him that dollar because I think he'll at least last till year's end because they don't cut people until Mania season, which I'll get into in a minute. Um, but yeah, I just I think Roman's got to hold on to this for a long time. As much as I love, I would love the idea of him not holding it uh, in the next two months here, but it's definitely he's 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 gonna establish his dominance. He's gonna establish his brand. Um, but yeah, but why did Daniel Bryan have to be there? It just doesn't... Oddly enough, it hurts Edge when it's all said and done. Like, Roman didn't take any... I mean, it didn't hurt Roman at all. He pinned two guys at the same time and looked like a fucking stud coming out of that. And then even Daniel, like, he at least got to have the immediate comeuppance and, and kind of do his thing. Like, the only... Right now, if I'm fast-forwarding to what's happening live like now we're, we're past you know we're past mania that that closed up mania night one in my opinion was way better than night two um but that's my opinion that's what's great about it everyone's got one so i you know i i think i i wonder where edge is i wonder why he's not popping up and you know what i'm gonna get into that that's gonna be a tease right there because i'm gonna hold off i'm gonna take a sip of beverage and we're gonna save that for towards the end of the show and I'm going to make sure I get time to talk about it. Because frankly, I'm not going to have to take a lot of time to talk about the garbage fire that is Monday Night Raw. I mean, so let's just get into it. I mean, Raw has been trash since Mania. It, it's it's rudderless. And, and I, I mean, I'm generally one of those people that I will sit there and I will watch 
the majority of the show to see what's been happening and what's been compelling. And, you know, there's at least two to three segments that I'll be all right with because I think it's I think it's entertaining and it's it's a lot of fun. And I gotta be honest with you guys, Raw just really hasn't had that. Here's the two things that I've been actually like watching in full no matter what. And one just got more compelling uh, this week, which I'll, I'm going to start off with, and that's Alexa Bliss. So I always, I, I dug the Fiend, I dug the Playhouse, like I'm always wanting to know where that goes because I think uh, easily it's the most compelling storyline, but it's clearly also the hardest one for them to pull off. Especially like, well, as we're getting back to live crowds, like they're, they're, they're scrambling to figure out how to pull it off. And they're just, you know, they're, they're clearly having hiccups, but Alexa has been doing her thing. Now she's got Lily clearly supposed to be Lilith. Um, and, and it, it, she's been doing the, the Alexis playground. She's been doing these little teases and all this, this last Monday, today is May 8th. As I'm recording this, the, the Monday that, uh, second, third, hold on. I'm, I'm, I'm literally going to look this up cause it's just going to bug me if I don't know the answer. May 3rd, the, the promo that she cut where she go, like, she's singing Lily Lily, like, the song, and she just breaks and goes, what did you make me do? And, like, just gets dead eyes. Like, she literally might have murdered somebody, and she doesn't realize it, and then just snaps out of it into that smile. Like, she is crushing the character and crushing the, the mind games portion of this. Like, she has always done so well with it when she's been in the ring and she cuts back to being the goddess Alexa Bliss versus the Alexa's Playground Alexa. Like, all of it. Like, if you're not recognizing that acting performance, then go to hell. Because she's just crushing it. Now, when she finally did come back, and so she's, she's now, like, actually going to be targeting people in the women's division. And it was interesting because originally I'm like, well, it's got to be Rhea. Right out the gate, my first thought when she started like teasing that she's coming back to fight to, to fight in the division was Rhea because now she's the champion. But originally, if you flash back, right when she was... She could have easily won the Royal Rumble because right when she started changing, Rhea eliminated her straight up. Just Rhea, nothing else. I love that part because, again, if Alexa goes full fiend, there's no reason she loses that match. But... Rhea interrupts her in the middle of a transformation and throws her over. So you think, okay, that's got to be it. But then, again, we go back to Monday. And she cuts this little promo and she talks about, like, the lady in red. and Or the color red has her attention. Now, fun fact, if you go back and watch the episode again, and I actually saw a freeze frame of this, which is how I, re- I know it, when Sonya Deville, after uh, the the whole Charlotte, Asuka, Rhea thing in the ring when Sonya Deville comes back and it has that confrontation with Adam Pierce look in the background you'll find one creepy ass skull tooth doll named Lily chilling in the background staring at Sonya Deville who's killing it in a all red suit so suddenly you wonder because now grain of salt like everybody's wearing red on raw I, I get it like you're on raw so you gotta wear red. But my god, every person in that goddamn roster is wearing red and black. I mean, the the whole the whole thing. Uh, I mean, also talking about the women's division, like, this is what I was getting at earlier. 
Charlotte wasn't available for Mania for whatever reasons. Again, I use the term loosely with air quotes. I'm not going to try and speculate. I'm not Adam Schefter here. So whatever it is, whatever it is. But she comes back. She starts, uh, you know, she's she attacks a ref, really just digging into the whole heel aspect. I mean, she's doing her. She got a mole removed. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, I don't need her fighting for the title because, frankly, with the state of the division, if she's the one fighting for the title all the time, she's going to be a 20-time champion before the end of next year. And she's already at, like, 14 or something like that. So she's at, like, I think a third of the career of her father and almost tied his championship reigns because she clearly is half the division half the time. But she's never actually had... I, I mean, I couldn't actually tell you the longest title reign she's had. And I guarantee you that longest title reign probably doesn't eclipse six months. So part of the reason when you're a 16-time world champion and you hold the title for almost a year at a time every time, that'll obviously make a difference. But uh, digressing. Uh, I mean, yeah, so I you know, I, I don't really know what's happening. Again, you put Shayna in there, let Shayna do her thing, stop letting her have to dick around with Mandy and Dana Brooke or the Riot Squad or Tamina and... And, and Natalia, I just, I, I don't need any more. Like, let, let Shayna come back. And if, you know, if Becky still got, needs some time, then let Shayna come back to dominate because it just, you need, you need some new blood in there. And I think she's just the one that can do it. Um, my second thing that I'm absolutely loving on Raw, and honestly, I didn't expect it. I thought I was really going to hate it. And this kind of goes against my soapbox standpoint, but I, I think it's more along the, along the lines of how Rob's always put it. Is, is Team RK-Bro. <laughs> I mean, fucking Randy Orton and Riddle. And I think it's because Riddle is just ad-libbing and just doing his own thing. And I keep want Like, it's like Saturday Night Live when you're watching and you want, you want to just see the moment where somebody breaks. And it seems like he's so close to getting Randy to just crack up on camera. And Randy is just too damn professional. And I love it. Uh, I mean, the matches have been so-so and, and pretty pretty expected. I mean, they're going to go back and forth. I, I don't know when they finally fight AJ and Amos, but I mean, the lead up getting there, like the backstage content alone, Riddle rolling in on that scooter, cutting his little promos. Uh, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm enjoying it. It's hilarious. It, it allows Riddle to be both stoner and just starry-eyed little boy at the same time, and it's a, it's a great combination as opposed to just being pure stoner or pure idiot. I don't know how to really else to describe it, but it's been entertaining. It's it's genuine. Like you really don't know what the hell he's actually gonna say. Um, and yeah, yeah, like I said, I've I, that's probably the other thing that I've been loving most about Raw because outside of that, I mean, you've got Bobby Drew and Braun Strowman you know, doing their bullshit for the, for the title and a WrestleMania backlash. I, I don't care who wins. It just, there's no, there's nothing viable about that storyline. And with the breaking up of the hurt business, which broke up by an additional point on Monday, because now Cedric and, and uh, Shelton split too. And I'm kind of irritated with that. Cause I want to see Shelton still because Shelton is, is fantastic. And I think so is Cedric. But I, I just I'm I'm worried that the two of them are now going to be having a feud on main event, which isn't necessarily a bad thing because frankly Ricochet and Musta- uh, Mustafa Ali have been having stellar matches and cutting insane promos against each other on Twitter, 
They've got no TV time, so they're making their own TV time. And good for you, gentlemen, because your your work is showing in the ring. I just, I hope they see it, and I hope it elevates to the main roster, and they can finally figure something out with the two of them because it is it is needed. Um, and then outside of that, I mean, really, it's it's Sheamus's open challenge, but not for the title open challenge. Which has been enjoyable. I mean, I, I like the fact that now Sheamus is coming to the ring. I, I, I'm confused half the time because Sheamus comes to the ring dressed in his bar fight gear and f- starts fighting in it. And, like, I want him to keep that, that shtick and that gimmick because it looks good. It, it's appropriate. But then, like, when it's time for a match, he changes over to his regular Celtic attire. And I'm like, it's just too much. Like, I, I keep the pants, keep the beater or the hat or something. I, I don't know. Again. I'm not the guy. He's going to do his own thing. He's going to make his own decisions. I like the brawler, gangs of New York, whatever look. And if you want, you know, just keep that going. You can keep that going. Keep the music. Keep the intro. Keep everything the same, and and you'll be fine. I don't think you need to completely pull it. But, I mean, you know, I'm Irish Scottish, but I'm not Seamus. So, uh, I mean, outside of that, look, the only I think the only other thing we've been seeing is the Miz and John Morrison continuing on with Damian Priest. Uh, to what end? I honestly, at this point, have no idea what the fuck we're doing here. And New Day treading water with uh, Amos and AJ, who disappeared for two weeks after Mania, so one should just assume COVID. Um, I mean, frankly, un- unfortunately, that's the world we live in. When when guys are just randomly disappearing off the show without any mention, you assume it's it's some kind of COVID where they followed all the rules and just still ended up catching it because that's just how this disease works. So. Yeah, I mean, I otherwise there's really no explanation as to why they disappeared. They definitely weren't in Nigeria partying it up, uh, as as some would say. But you know, it is what it is, and I mean, we'll we'll see where everything shakes out. But just leading into backlash, because it, it can still be called backlash. I hate I I absolutely hate the fact that it's called WrestleMania backlash. Like it never needed to be called that. They just it really seems like they just want to keep using that logo. Um, I mean, leading into it, like the raw side is super weak and the SmackDown side is not, uh, so SmackDown, I mean, let's, let's start at the top as I was talking, um, actually, no, let's not start at the top cause I was saving the top for towards the end of the show. Let's start with the, with the women. Cause they, again, that, that match at WrestleMania was fantastic. Bianca has been a fantastic champion already. Uh, they had that great moment on NXT where they all showed up together and, you know, she's been playing it up, and they put a perfect pairing with her, because leading up, she proved herself against Bailey, and now she gets Bailey again, but it's Bailey just pure, just heel, and cutting the promos, and doing the psychological thing that I don't ever think Sasha really came across, because they had to do a quick turn on Sasha, because she was coming down as a face, had to do a quick turn to be a heel, but it was still never really that, like, defining moment. So now you get just the bona fide, been a heel for a while. I'm gonna talk shit. I'm gonna I'm gonna show you up. Michael Cole, you're stupid. I just I, I love it. I think she's doing a fantastic job. And you know, it'll be it'll be a great match. They haven't had an actual match. They've just had a lot of in ring bullshit back and forth, but like, yeah, they're gonna have an actual match at Backlash and it's gonna look it's gonna be fantastic because the two of them are, are both, again, great workers. It'll be a real big back and forth. I think you're going to get a couple near falls. And then Bianca's going to take it because she's 
she's going to hold on to this thing. And I don't know how long. I don't know who's going to take it from her. I don't really, I don't really know right now. It's too early to tell. And there's honestly, at this point, just way too much happening in that division to really figure out what's going on. Um, outside of that, I gotta be honest, like SmackDown's been a little muddled. Um, well, outside of that and the main event, which again, I'm holding off towards, but the, I mean, the rest of it has been kind of muddled. Like the, the tag team championships, you're going kind of back and forth. The street profits got to, you know, they're, they're still trying to get them because they want to have this like Holy dynasty with Bianca. They end up not getting it. And then you've got Otis and Chad Gable just kind of popping up as we're the other bad guy tag team. When in reality, like they could put on just as good of a match as the street profits or the Mysterios or anything like with, um, the dirty dogs, uh, Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode. I, I don't know. It's just, it's odd. Uh, and it's just muddled. Like they were in a tag man tag this, you know, tonight or, uh, May 7th. So last night, but I just watched it, you know, an hour ago, they're in a 10 man tag team match. And now it turns out that like out of kind of out of nowhere, the Mysterios are fighting for it at backlash, which kind of tells me that they're going to win at backlash because they were supposed to do it at mania and just didn't have time. Like there just wasn't anywhere on the card to put it. And because it was going to happen the Friday before WWE didn't think it was worth it. Like the Mysterios need to win the tag team champions as father and son on a pay-per-view, not the the day before a pay-per-view, but I mean, we'll see what happens there. Um, And then same with the IC, like clearly it needs to be uh, Apollo and Big E's rubber match, but it really seems like, I mean, obviously like, Sammy's working his way back in and because Sammy's working with KO, KO's kind of getting involved now. And then from what we saw on SmackDown this week, uh, like Baron Corbin, King Corbin's kind of got a a foot in the door for whatever reason. So I don't know if this is going to lead and I got to check. I'm I'm honestly not sure off the top of my head if they, if they've actually done anything with it yet, but I don't know if they're going to have a multi-man match at backlash. I mean, it would make sense to have like a six man ladder match or six man eliminator or something uh at backlash just to to bring the chaos in and you know if he doesn't end up taking it then he can sit there and say that he still deserved it so he can still continue that fight and they can figure out where they're going from there but like again it, it's just kind of muddled and then i don't even want to talk about the women's stuff because it's the same shit i mean it, it, it nia jackson shana baser come in they fight random tag team a or random tag team b reginald gets involved uh, this week they had Reginald fight Tamina until uh, an interference thing, and it was—I mean—it was good. It was, it was mildly entertaining because Reginald uh, used to be a Cirque du Soleil performer, so like that's why he's able to pull off those crazy flips and shit, and it looks great. But at the same time, it's like, well, what are we doing though? We're, we're not doing anything to develop this tag team division. And again, like I've got to talk to about NXT when it comes down to it, because I was mad that they didn't give the the women's tag team championships to NXT. And at this point, I got to say, I'm glad they didn't because NXT is doing their own thing. And that street fight that we had last Wednesday was phenomenal, but I'm not supposed to talk about that here. So I'm going to have to hold off. That's the other reason I'm doing this episode in the first place, because if not, I'm just going to talk about the way and that's just it. This is going to just become a, 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 a fan cast uh, of the way. Because, my God, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. But, again, dialing it back. 
Um, so let's just get into, I mean, the main event then. Roman Reigns, doing Roman Reigns things, finally got new music. Thank the the, the Samoan Lords. Thank the thank them all because that was well needed and and you know just much needed and suits him so much better. The way he came down to the ring this past Friday, they got that 4K camera on him, like mm, looking good. Uh, Jay Uso, the right hand man, Jimmy Uso finally comes back this week. I really I, I get what they're doing with the storyline. I don't want. I don't want like a repeat of the whole Jay storyline with Jimmy, and I'm not really sure how they're going to go about it. In my head, like gut reaction right off the bat when I heard the Uso music was that Jimmy was going to come out with a left-hand man t-shirt. So Jay's the right-hand man, Jimmy's the left-hand man. Uh, you know, again, I, I, think too, I think too quickly for WWE sometimes, or just too drunkenly stupid for WWE sometimes, but ah, it is what it is. Uh, outside of that, I guess I should say before that, I should back up a little bit. Coming right out of Mania, Cesaro comes at Roman for a championship match. Roman says that Cesaro isn't worthy of one, which is kind of dope. I mean, I, I don't know if they've done it on Talking Smack. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to see every week, but I wonder if on Talking Smack they've brought up the relationship that Heyman and Cesaro used to have. Because Heyman or Cesaro used to be a Heyman guy, like legitimately, Paul Heyman was his manager, endorsing him. I mean, it was a whole storyline a couple of years back in between a uh, in between Brock years. Um, so I don't know if they've actually brought that up yet. I know they haven't really done it on SmackDown, but they brought up the fact that like Roman doesn't think Cesaro's deserving of it, and it's been good. I mean, it's been very entertaining. It's been it it's a decent story for like again. You've only got like a month. I mean, give it six weeks of buildup, and it's a better buildup than some of the storylines that Raw had coming off of the Royal Rumble, where you had a solid two months. I, I mean, it's just it, it's being well done, but it also may, it also just feels a little rushed, and I'm not really sure. Um, so regardless. For those unaware, uh, Cesaro comes out, challenges Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns deems him unworthy but deems Daniel Bryan worthy. So he gives Daniel Bryan the title shot, but he says that if he wins, DB's gone from SmackDown. Like, sayonara, peace out, you're done. Um, fast forward a week, Roman Reigns ends up beating Daniel Bryan clean. Like, no no shenanigans, no, uh, no interference or anything like that, which was a little surprising. Definitely thought there would be some kind of interference from the Usos or... Uh, Seth or anything like that, but there wasn't. Post-match beatdown, though, there was, which kind of continued the angle, which worked out really well, uh, which leads us to really the, to the two questions. So, one, Edge, not seen. Hasn't been seen since Mania. You wonder if he's going to end up costing Roman the title somewhere in the next couple months, which would defeat my dollar bet from the get-go. But, I mean, if I'm sitting here thinking about it in wrestling logic... Roman uh, Edge would cost Roman. Then Edge and Roman can have their own little spat, similar to Edge and Randy. And then whoever's champion gets a small run before Roman comes back for the title. Or yeah, I mean I don't know. Actually, for Edge, that's really it. Uh, I don't know if he maybe he jumps brands to Raw and suddenly he's going after the Raw title because that's a little bit easier for him because Roman is so built up right now that. I don't know if there's really anybody that you can put up against him right now, one-on-one, that 
outside of Drew, and that's simply because of Survivor Series last year, but you can put anybody one-on-one against him that would that would be able to keep up with him. Uh, and then you've got Daniel Bryan, who Daniel Bryan, after losing, gone from SmackDown, but conceivably gone from WWE, which is the most surprising thing. Um, rumors, are, rumors are swirling that his contract ran out after that match. Like, that night was the end of his contract, and it, it's one of those where he's just kind of playing it open-ended, where it's like, is he going to go to NXT? Is he going to come back to Raw and fight for that title before kind of retiring from full-time wrestling and and going to hang out with his kids, which is awesome? Or is it like he's going free agent mode and he's just going to tour? Because you know he wants to fight everybody and he would be open for matches anywhere. So does he go into business for himself and suddenly he's, you know, he's he's going to take a match on AEW. Then he's going to take a match in New Japan. Then he might come in and do a fight like Jonathan Gresham and ROH in a, in a fucking pure championship match. My God, could you believe? Uh, I just don't know. And it's really kind of interesting to, to keep an eye on just to see. Like, I know WWE is going to fucking throw money at him, but I think there's a solid possibility that he's just going to do his own little tour. I don't really think he cares. I don't think uh, he's never been a guy who cares about money, as far as I can tell. Like, as long as his family's taken care of, he doesn't give a shit. So why not? I mean, why not? He, he's gotten a second breath at, at life in wrestling, which I don't think he ever expected to. So, like, I mean, why not do the tour? Try it out. Um,. That's going to lead me, unfortunately, that segues into kind of like the last little thing that I, I didn't get to talk about off the top of the off the top of the show when I really should have. But I just need to talk about Black Thursday, where once again, uh, after profit, you know, record profit years, WWE ends up dropping 10 superstars off the roster. Now, some of them look some of them. I, I it makes sense. Mojo. OK, Mojo hasn't done shit in years. Uh, Bo Dallas. Bo again hasn't really done anything. There was always the rumors that he could be doing, he could be doing something with the fiend, but it never really panned out. Five minutes is minute. what it is. But he's also got like a life with with Liv Morgan, and they have a farm and the real estate business and all this other nonsense. Kalisto, like okay, Tucker, yeah, kind of makes sense. Uh, I mean, after the the way they they dropped the ball with with the Otis and Mandy Rose story, like yeah, he had nowhere to go, so. It is what it is. Now the two, I, 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 I let me keep going. Uh, Mickey, Mickey James, again, like I love her. She's a, she's a she's a legend. Obviously, the the shit that came out after with the whole trash bag gate and all that, that's complete bullshit. Obviously, they handled their business on their end. Yeah, that's kind of the way sometimes it goes when you when you get ousted from a company, but generally you'd think that's when you get ousted for being a piece of trash human not but for for budgetary reasons like it, it she, there was she had done nothing wrong it's not like she had she had screwed everybody anybody over anything like that you know but again i'm i'm getting a little bit off topic because the other the big 3 as i'm going to put it uh i'll also mention uh Wesley Blake cut Again, not surprising. Steve Cutler got cut earlier in the year because of the COVID nonsense. They probably didn't have anything for him. And Chelsea Green, which is unfortunate because she had a lot of potential and the injury bug just kept catching her and just nipping her in the heels. And it kind of leads into my, my, my theory, I guess, on the other two. I'm just, I'm not really sure. But, I mean, Billy Kay and Peyton Royce were two of the best, like, prospects 
in that division, hands down. The Iconics were fantastic. WWE fucked up by splitting them up and trying to do something solo with both of them. When the simple fix was just to put them back together and put the titles back on them. And then your titles make sense again and you can start having all these stupid tag teams fight. But then you've got a bona fide tag team holding on to them in the Iconics. It would have been entertaining as fuck week in and week out and probably one of the highest rated segments on every show. But no. We're going to can them for no fucking reason. And I'm just like legit fuming. Like of all the cuts, those two and Samoa Joe. Now, I, I can understand it with Samoa Joe, and I think there's more to the story. I don't ever know if it'll come out, but obviously, like, there's a lot of writing on the walls there where Samoa Joe got a lot of concussions. Like, he, he got a lot of injuries, and they were mostly diagnosed as concussions. So you wonder if this is another situation where WWE Medical wasn't clearing him, and he had gotten second opinions, and second opinions cleared him, but WWE Medical wouldn't. And so... When push came to shove, he simply asked for his release, but I don't know because, you know, like, he he does Mania, he's in the poncho, like, so then when he's off the next night, like, you think, all right, like, yes, Samoa Joe, he's, he's gonna come back as a wrestler, and, and nah, and, you know, you look at his Twitter, you see kind of some of his responses, he obviously hasn't come straight out and said anything, but it seems like there's definitely more like transformer style there's there's more than meets the eye to this one but the iconics there wasn't more than meets the eye there was simply terrible terrible jobs done by wwe with how they handled the iconics and then they just fucking drop them like a bad habit and you can't tell me it's a money issue and you can't tell me it's a talent issue because then they go back and bring back eva fucking marie the talentless hack who, look, I'm sorry, she, yes, she is the bona fide quote-unquote diva, but give me one match, and I will pay $100 if you can find me one more than five-minute match where she actually didn't fuck up once. And you can't do it, because I don't even think she's ever had a match over five minutes. But we're going to bring her back and put her on a fucking Lamborghini, and we're going to drop two of the best prospects that WWE has had in quite some time. And I think, frankly, that... I'm fed up. I'm, I'm throwing and tell. Ring the bell. That That's just going to be my fucking line in the sand because now I'm fired up. I just need to calm the nerves. <sighs> yeah. I should have definitely started with that because then I could have really got some, some rhythm going uh, into the show, but... Uh, once again, I will thank everyone for putting up with my nonsense and sticking with me for the, for the last hour, just bitching about the Royal, uh, WrestleMania and just want to talk about everything. I apologize again for us kind of getting behind. I know literally it's basically been a month since mania, but, uh, life does get in the way and thankfully it's getting in a, in the way in a, in a good way for both Rob and myself. We've just been busy with, some other projects and thank God we've been busy with work again. Um, you know, part of the reason this all stemmed was because COVID and quarantine life kind of drives you cuckoo bananas. So you got to come up with your own stuff. Um, and this was mine and Rob has graciously joined me in this, um, in this journey. But, uh, I wanted to get, and the other reason I wanted to get caught up and trying to get up to date was because, uh, 
we may not be able to do the weekly recaps as we've been doing them, just because, frankly, I, I don't know if it's necessary. I, I Being that I'm able to cover this on my own, I don't think it's necessary, and I want to do more of the fun stuff. I want to try and get some interviews going. I want to do more roll the dice. I want to do some rewrites. Like I want to, I want to really flex our creative sides. And I think the next episode, maybe not the next one, because I do like obviously NXT has been rolling and AEW just had blood and guts, and like you got to talk about that. Um. But yeah, I just I want I want to be able to get to talk about more of the fun stuff and have more entertaining episodes than us just bitching about what they put on TV and trying to come up with solutions. So hopefully, maybe that will be the next episode. Maybe I'll just say fuck it and we'll figure it out when the time comes. But I don't know. Got to talk to Rob. Got to put some feelers out to a couple other of our friends and just see who wants to who wants to talk wrestling. Because again, man. I love this shit. I can't really explain it. It's just kind of always been an escape for me. So I will talk about wrestling at any time, at anywhere. Um, As always, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and at our regular home at angelsofmayhem.com. I just want to once again say thank you to everybody for putting up with me. And give me this this room to vent. Uh, as always, if anyone wants to come at me, or you know has any feedback or criticism or comments, or just wants to talk wrestling as well, please find us on Facebook and Instagram at One Fall Pod. We are always open to talk. Otherwise, I will once again thank you, everybody, from the bottom of my heart for giving me a time of day and giving us a listen. And we will catch you next time here at the One Fall Podcast.